Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And we're glad that you're with us on this special segment of News in Focus as we have a a very big announcement to share with you. And that is the book that uh, I've been writing this past year about how the D-Day prayer was added to the World War II Memorial. It was an 11-year journey uh, that you know that we worked on, and of course it was accomplished as it was dedicated this last June. The book is called For Their Honor. And in celebration of Veterans Day that we just observed over the weekend, but we're continuing here as we only broadcast once a week here on the on the program uh, on the station. But we want to share with you uh, these veterans' thoughts of the book that was released for their honor. Let me read to you a little bit about the book. It says, this book was written to tell the 11-year story of how one of the largest mass prayers in history was added to the World War II Memorial. The D-Day prayer was one of FDR's fireside chats, but it stands alone as an incredible moment in American history. The date was June 6, 1944. Operation Overlord, the D-Day invasion of Western France, was already underway by the Allied nations. News reports throughout that day were released from General Eisenhower's headquarters with short statements, but with few details of what was happening on the landings and on the beaches of France, the American public anxiously awaited to hear from the president of what uh, the de- details were of the invasion. What they heard that night was the president inviting him them to join him in prayer. That is what we know as the D-Day prayer. It was 9.57 p.m. June 6th. That evening it was actually D-Day plus one over in, in France, uh, but uh, he rallied the nation to pray with him, and of course prayer gatherings broke out all across the country as people understood the significance of the moment and the need for prayer. Well, we're that at that place again in our nation's history. We need prayer for our country, and we can see the saber rattling around the world. We see what's happening in Israel and what's happening in Ukraine, and of course, uh, the, the tensions in the South Pacific uh, you have uh, with Taiwan and China uh, trying to uh, take back Taiwan, and it is an independent nation. And so we see that there's storm clouds again, as there was 80 years ago. We've had a long time of world peace. There's been wars and rumors of wars all these years, but there has not been a world conflict, and we pray that there won't be. But uh, that's why we want to share with you this wonderful book, For Their Honor. How can you obtain it? You can go to our website at ohioca.org. That's the Ohio Christian Alliance website. It's also available on Barnes and & Noble and Amazon. You can just look up For Their Honor, written by Christopher Long, and it's also on our website, both the print and ebook version. Well, this last week I had the great opportunity to be interviewed by TCT Television about the book uh, with our good friends, Judge Brown, and Tom Nolan, and we're going to go to that right now, and then we're going to close out today's program with FDR as he prayed with the nation on June 6, 1944, the D-Day prayer. Let's take a listen to the interview with Tom and Judge. Some things have changed. Wars change. Leaders change. 
Reasons for fighting change. Locations of the battles change. Weapons change. But some things don't change. Dedication doesn't change. Loyalty doesn't change. Sacrifice doesn't change. Honor doesn't change. Love doesn't change. And God never changes. On this special day we set aside to honor our veterans, we say, God bless you and thank you. Well, welcome back, and we continue to honor and celebrate our veterans today, throughout this weekend, and really something that we should do all the time as we continue to celebrate the freedoms that uh, don't come freely. And there are people that have uh, paid um, the highest price for us to have this opportunity, as I mentioned, to have the freedom of speech, to have the freedom of religion, and every other freedom that we have in this country. But today we're joined by Chris Long, uh, president and of the Ohio Christian Alliance is one organization. That's how we originally uh, got connected here at the uh, uh, Akron Cleveland station many years ago, um, but uh, also uh, president of the Christian Alliance of America, um, also involved in the D-Day Prayer Project, have the book for their honor. and. Uh, we are thankful for all you do uh, to represent Christian values and to uh, help preserve those freedoms uh, for Christians um, here in the state of Ohio as well as nationally. Absolutely. And so uh, welcome to the program. Welcome, well, thank welcome. you, Tom. Thank you, Judge. It's good to be with you. And what a, a fitting uh, opportunity to launch the book for their honor. Uh, it's a book written about the 11-year journey of adding FDR's D-Day prayer at the World War II Memorial. And when we say for their honor, the real joy was meeting the veterans along the way through that whole 11-year process of many of the greatest generation that we met at the World War II Memorial as we were gathering signatures and building advocacy for the prayer, first getting it through Congress, uh, then raising the funds and sweating it out a little bit. You know what that's like, uh, paying for the bills here at TCT, right? But what it is, it's a faith walk, really. And, and in the end, God put together a wonderful gift for us to be able to add that prayer. We needed $2 million, and the Lord miraculously provided that through a grant and uh, the senator and I, Senator Portman, who was the sponsor of the bill in the U.S. Senate, were very emotional on the phone together. Both of our fathers served in World War II. And he called me that day, so I wanted to tell you personally, Chris, that the Lilly Endowment came forward with a $2 million grant. And so we were able to launch and finally get the prayer in the ground. It was dedicated this last June. So when you go to Washington and you see the World War II Memorial, go through the Atlantic Arch and over to the left, you will see what is called a prayer for the nation. And it is FDR's D-Day prayer that he prayed with the nation on June 6, 1944. It was actually 9.57 p.m. that evening that he went to the airwaves and uh, all throughout the day, they were getting reports that the invasion had begun. So just short little news clips uh, came across the wire. But people began instinctively to enter prayer chapels and synagogues and begin to pray for our troops uh, that were liberating Europe. And they were on the beaches of France. And no one really knew the details. So they anticipated listening carefully to the radio that night. You know, FDR had a custom called the Fireside Chats. Uh, during his presidency, and people would listen to him during these broadcasts. Well, the FDR D-Day prayer is a fireside chat like no other. 
because it was that evening when they tuned in to hear the president, what more details he would give them, he asked them to join him in prayer. And that's what's great. He had the whole nation's attention. It's estimated over 100 million people worldwide heard the president as he went to the airwaves that night to pray with the nation for the liberation of Europe, but for all of our troops who were serving on battlefields all over the world at that time, in the Pacific and in the European theater, and of course in Italy, in the Mediterranean. Uh, but their reliance was upon God. We could use that today, right? Amen. Amen. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. You know, and I remember uh, when this was dropped into your heart and you began to share this and bring the idea and what a project it took. But just back up for a minute and talk about why God put that in your heart. I mean, what was so was so unique about that that initiated this this several year journey to make this happen? Well, we talk on this program, right, about listening, listening to the Lord. I woke up one morning with an idea. I turned to my wife, I said, I got an idea, don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to ask uh, Congressman Bill Johnson to offer legislation to add FDR's D-Day prayer to World War II Memorial. Well, we were aware of the monument. Of course, I've taken my father there. It was dedicated in 2004, um, and we took him a couple of times, but there was something missing on the monument. It was a great tribute to the 16 million Americans who served us in World War II, but he didn't have a prayer, a scripture verse, or a reference to God anywhere on it. Well, that's unique in Washington if you go to the Library of Congress, the U.S. Capitol, Washington Monument, right. the Lincoln Memorial, the Jefferson Memorial. They all have prayers, scripture verses, a reference to God. This was omitted, and it didn't escape the attention of these veterans who would go to that area of the wall that was FDR's uh, proclamation of war on, de on December 8th, 1941, just after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. He ended that speech with, so help us God. And they said, hey, it's missing the four most important words. And so when we told the veterans of this idea, they said, young man, get it done. Well, I was a little <laughs> younger then, okay? It took 11-year journey to get this done, right? And, of course, they're older men. They were in their 80s at that time, and now they're in their late 90s, those of, that are still with us. And we do have members of the World War II generation still with us. But on this broadcast, when we're honoring our veterans, I want to share with everyone yes. something that you need to do. Just say this to veterans and your family, your friends, and, and in your uh, little universe, say, um, thank you for your service. Yeah. Just thank them for their service. Whenever they served, if they were Gulf War veterans, if they were uh, Vietnam veterans, thank those veterans who served us in time of peace. Thank those veterans for their service. It means so much to them and their families. Well, I know when you posted the picture, uh, when that was actually put in place and it was there, I could just see this glow on your face okay. to see this project completed. But it's, it's more than just adding another something in Washington, but it's really making a proclamation of our faith and how our faith guided us in our history. Absolutely. And what I love is to watch, you know, it's, it's funny, there's a little, and we'll tell it in the book, For Their Honor, uh, when Sylvia and I, my wife, got the opportunity to see the monument. It's been an 11-year journey, right? Uh, we thought this wasn't going to get done maybe within a few years, but it was, uh, took a few years to get it through Congress. And then there was a whole story behind that and how God worked. I mean, unanimous consent in the U.S. Uh, Senate, that's almost impossible. That's 100 senators agreeing on one thing. <laughs> when was the last time you heard that? Well, happen, there's right? a miracle. <laughs> there's a miracle. And then President Obama, he signed it on June 30th of that year. He originally, his administration opposed it, but then he went ahead and signed it, which was great, right? And so, but then the story begins of how you go about adding this prayer, and you get involved with the Park Service and the Friends of the World War II right. Memorial, and you have to raise the money privately. Right. It can't be paid for by tax dollars, but by private 
private donations. And so we were off on another journey, right? Well, the book tells all about that for their honor. And uh, by the way, that book is available on our website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Or it can be available on Amazon as well, both the ebook and the print version. And, uh, you know, get your copy and actually give it to a veteran. Because what it does is it tells the stories of veterans we met along the way. And we met some incredible veterans that were involved in both the European and the Pacific Theater of Operation. And uh, this prayer will continue to tell their story for generations to come. It's a permanent addition. And what I love is to watch the young people and the families walking by and they see the title, A Prayer for the Nation. They're like, what's this? And then to watch them go over and young people want to read the prayer out loud. It's all 515 words of the prayer that he gave them that broadcast that day. And to watch these people's response to the addition of this prayer, I thought, mission accomplished. Because it's going to give them what? A respect for that generation that fought for our liberty and give them an appreciation that our country was founded on godly principles. So powerful. So powerful. You know, and I want to say thank you is, you know, anytime God puts something in your heart, the importance of sticking with it and following it through, um, because it truly can make a difference in so many people's life and probably more than you even realize. And you're already seeing the great impact. I know you've already mentioned your book for their honor. Um, I know this will be a blessing to so many people. I want to encourage them to get that, especially if this is something that's really near and dear to your heart. So many people in our in our world today, um, you know, we're desperate to see people stand for faith. For, for prayers to be prayed. We need prayer, you know, like never before, and be able to reflect um, on some of our past presidents of how in times of trouble, times of war, we always went to prayer. There were times of prayer and fasting that was called. That's right. And so it's, uh, it's so good to see this, and I hope when you get the chance to go to Washington that you'll be able to go by and see this memorial as well. It's really fantastic. It is, and I want to ask you just to speak. You mentioned some of the uh, stories uh, that are in the book, and um, it, we also know that there aren't a whole lot more from that generation, and uh, this uh, world war <laughs> that uh, really had an effect not only on the future of our country, but really what's happening uh, across the world, and now we're seeing uh, things like what's happening in Israel and Palestine, we're seeing Russia and Ukraine, and we're seeing these conflicts happen and people uh, serving uh, their countries, um, not just here in the U.S. Of course, we're celebrating this weekend U.S. veterans, but share with us um, uh, some of those uh, stories that you had to, uh, the opportunity to connect with these people that really have made an impact that is still affecting us uh, today. Those that may not have even been alive back at that time, but their service and, and their willingness to serve made an impact. You know, that's a great point, Tom, because these veterans, uh, when they concluded that war, that world conflict at the time, uh, God gave them a covenant of peace. We yeah. haven't been at world war since that time. And since the time that many of them, these men are living into their late 90s and into their hundreds. In fact, there was a group of veterans. They were all 100 plus, and they were in pretty good health. You and I should be of that good of health. And they were down there for an observance back last December on Pearl Harbor Day. They came in from San Antonio, Texas, and there was like 15 of them. 
Mm. And they're all at the century marker above. And they were in good you know, uh, spirits and actually in good consciousness of their minds and being able to converse with us. So that's that's amazing thing. But to hear their stories of how God uh, was with them even during the war. There was one story of Ed Cottrell uh, here in Ohio. He was at an event and shared that uh, his plane was hit by German anti-aircraft and there was the German Messerschmitts that were coming behind him. And uh, he was trying to get back to England, but his, his aircraft was just limping along. And they came behind him like they're going to take him out. And he said, this is it. But they both came along each side of his wing and looked at him and gave him the okay sign and peeled off. And he got home safe. He said, I got out of that aircraft and I knelt down and kissed the ground. That was a mercy of God. So there's great stories in the book about that. Uh, just some tremendous stories of how um, God really worked in the lives of these veterans. There's another gentleman um, that uh, he was uh, in England on the celebration of the end of the war. He happened to have a pass, and uh, he was down in London. It was on VE Day, you know, the great celebration. The war in Europe is over, right? And he said it was coming towards the end of the day, and he was at a bus stop with a, a lady and with her child, and they both sat there as twilight came and the lights came on. She began to weep because the lights had been off through the entire war because of bombing raids. And he began to weep, too, because what it meant was it was a time of peace. They didn't have to worry about bodies coming home, bombs dropping, and so it was a time of peace. And so God gave them that covenant of peace. And so we need to pray that this current generation, younger generation, learn from that generation because they have a mighty word to t say to us because we are facing conflicts right now around the world and we do need to be in prayer. Wow. So powerful. And again, in your book, and you can get it on Amazon, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. So many great stories, and you're going to be able to hear this uh, great story of how this was added there in Washington. And Chris, before we end our time together, you're doing some also some incredible things, uh, not only here in Ohio, but in other places around this country. And uh, just give us a little update of who uh, Alliance of America is, Christian Alliance of America. Well, that's right. Well, part of what you've heard today, you know, we, we support our American values and our Christian heritage and our input in this cult culture. You know, uh, pastors have said, well, I don't want to politicize the pulpit, but I think Christians should be involved in our culture. And I agree with that. In fact, we, we just went through an election here in Ohio, and a lot of pastors took the podium and they shared their thoughts about the election here in Ohio. And I like that they took the ownership of the issue, right? And they said, win or lose, we're going to stand our ground. And so the Christian Alliance of America, that's who we are. We stand on a set of principles of what we believe about uh, our God and, and basically for our country, God and country. And we're going to believe that and we're going to hold that ground. So if the current culture goes down, we're at least going to be the last witness. But I don't think so. I think, um, you know, what this this network does, it's a testament that there is God is speaking to a whole new generation. And there's about to be awakening among these young people. And I'm excited to see. That. Yes, yes, I agree with that. Amen. Amen. Well, I really enjoyed being the guest of uh, Judge Brown and Tom Nolan on TCT. But we want to close out today's program with the prayer of FDR. And we hope that you'll pick up the book again at our website at ohioca.org. Let's take a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. My fellow Americans, 
Last night, when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and cruel. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed. But we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried by night and by day without rest until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them. Help us, almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer. As we rise to each new day, and again when each day is spent, 
Let words of prayer be on our lips, invoking thy help to our efforts. Give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks, to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travel, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. And, O oh Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our united crusade. Let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporary events, of temporal matters of but fleeting moment, let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose. With thy blessing, we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogances. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, almighty God. Amen. America is kept safe because the Army National Guard responds, protects, and supports our nation when it needs them most. The Army National Guard responds to disasters such as wildfires and floods. They protect us with missile defense, cybersecurity, and civilian support teams for chemical, biological, and radiological hazards. Be there for your community and your country. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And we're welcome and we're glad that you're with us for this edition of News in Focus. We're going to focus on Israel on this broadcast, and I hope that you'll be listening uh, because we're going to be sharing some important information. With us on the phone is our good friend, Mike Goldstein. He is the director of the Arizona um, uh, chapter of the Proclaiming Justice to the Nations. Uh, Mike is a longtime friend of the Ohio Christian Alliance when he and his wife, Beverly, were here in Ohio, and uh, there are uh, good Jewish friends, and we're glad to have Mike with us on the program, but I want to share a little bit more about Mike's resume. 
Mike served in the U.S. Navy as a linguist, uh, and he also was 26 years active Naval Reserve. Uh, Mike also is the general counsel for Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, and he helped us on a number of pieces of legislation here in Ohio, including the resolution to support um, the uh, state of Israel that we passed with former state representative Andy uh, Andy Thompson, excuse me, and... um, you know, in fact, what we were talking about at that time, that there was anti-Semitism growing on college campuses, and we were really addressing that at the state legislature. This was a handful of years ago. Well, unfortunately, here we are again. Uh, many of you have seen the coverage of these large protests, Palestinian support and Hamas protests uh, in the country on college campuses and universities and in some of our major cities in New York and Chicago and Los Angeles. But they have turned violent. And unfortunately, in Washington, D.C., over the weekend, there was uh, red paint splattered on the front gates of the White House. And, there were sh- uh, and they were literally at the gates of the White House, shaking the, the, the um, uh, gates. And there was thousands of these protesters there. Who was assembling them and why? Well, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Israel has to defend itself after the attack out of Gaza. Uh, from October 7th of this month with the tragedy that took place in the state of Israel through its communities of the literal massacre of men, women, and children. But unfortunately, that bloodshed has now come to America as we had a gentleman yesterday who was simply holding up an Israeli flag uh, and was hit over the head uh, by a Palestinian supporter that the police know who the man is, and now the man has died. It's literally a murder charge. Unfortunately, two weeks ago, there was a stabbing of a synagogue leader. This woman was uh, murdered and found on the street uh, just not far from the synagogue in which she served as a director. With us on the phone again is Mike Goldstein, Counsel for Proclaiming Justice to the Nations. It is a Jewish Christian organization supporting uh, the Jewish state and the Jewish people. Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks, Chris. It's a pleasure to be back with you again. Well, you and I talked a few weeks ago when all this happened, unfortunately, after October 7th, uh, really the 9-11 for Israel uh, with a terrorist attack on the communities and the kibbutz. uh, And, of course, the IDF started to respond as quickly as they could. Uh, They hit Israel at a time of holiday. Uh, It was well orchestrated, well funded by Iran. Uh, It was Hamas. But Hezbollah has also been... uh, rattling the saber in the north out of Lebanon. Uh, give us an update uh, from what what the situation is on the ground in Israel. Okay, well, I've been following it as much as I can through open sources. Um, and the tactical situation seems to be right now that uh, Israel has cut off the northern Gaza Strip from the southern Gaza Strip and they are attacking Hamas um, in the north particularly now and going into those tunnels, the terror tunnels as well. Um, I, I want to correct something. It's not really correcting, but it's clarifying something. Uh, a lot of the media uh, conflates Palestinians, meaning Arab residents of uh, Gaza and whatever, with Hamas, they talk about an attack on Palestinians by Israel now. Israel is not waging war on Palestinians. Israel is waging war, waging war against the government of 
of Gaza Strip, which is Hamas, a designated terror group by the United States government, and as we have seen, completely ruthless. But uh, there's no attack, there's no war against the civilians there. In fact, no, of the course not. There, uh, are, and Israel has uh, been gone out of its way Hamas. to <laughs> protect citizen life. Uh, in any time that they've had military engagement. Just the opposite is true of Hamas. Yes, that's right. So Israel's trying to keep the um, corridors open. They've dropped uh, thousands, tens of thousands of leaflets, called um, civilians in Gaza saying, please go south, get out of the way. We know you've got uh, missiles in the basement of of your mosques and your hospitals. We're going to be attacking those. Get out. Please, we don't want you to get hurt. And they've opened routes down to this uh, area in South Gaza uh, that they are doing uh, together with the Egyptians to give humanitarian aid to the refugees with water and food and everything. And Hamas is blocking those routes with trucks and things. They're trying not to let any Palestinians through because um, they hide behind the civilians to do their warfare. But that's tactically... They're um, going into the tunnels. They're, they've killed hundreds of uh, Hamas fighters already. They, I won't even call them fighters. I'm going to call them terrorists because that's what they are. So, well, Mike, it's been it's such a, an uphill, just uh, emotional difficulty for anyone watching the, the coverage of what has happened in Israel with the reports that have come out about those who were actually killed, uh, brutalized, um butchered literally in the communities, and then uh, some were taken captive. What is the status of those who are hostage from the October 7th event? Well, several of them were Americans. Uh, I think at least two Americans have been released. Um, It may be a few more than that now. The IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, um, in their actions against Hamas strongholds, have freed, I think, five of the hostages. They found them and they've gotten them out of there, but I think those were Israeli citizens. Um, and what's going on with the hostages is, is really that Israel is not going to stop because of the hostages. However, um, the, the leaders of Hamas, they're not in the Gaza Strip. They're living in multi-million dollar hotels and mansions in Qatar. And there are negotiations in Qatar, um, not face-to-face, but remote, you know, from each other, between Hamas and Israel trying to negotiate the release of the hostages. Because although it's very unlikely that they'll get any place with this, they will not leave any stone unturned to get the hostages released. They're trying to locate them. I'm not privy to their, you know, their intelligence, but they're trying to locate them within Gaza and liberate those they can. But it's not going to stop them from destroying every remnant of, of uh, Hamas, including the people, the fighters, the terrorists, and their entire infrastructure. They will level it. Used to say level it to the ground. Now they're leveling it above ground and underground. Let's do a little history here. Gaza was obviously a developed area that was uh, controlled by the state of Israel and was given to the Palestinian people, Hamas took over as a governing body by force and terror of their own of their own people, the Palestinians, and their whole focus 
has been to conduct war and raids and missile launches against the state of Israel. That's why you've had the Iron Dome that has protected you um, from these missile attacks that have come over relentlessly, more times more intense than others. Give us a little history of that background, Mike. I will, and I need to back up a little further. I won't go back to the Roman period, which I'd like to do, but we haven't got the time. But under the British mandate in Palestine, beginning after World War I, um, there were Jewish villages and Arab villages. The British called it Palestine. There never was a Palestine, but that's okay. Um, and from in the 1920s, 1920, 1929, there were Arab riots where they went into Jewish villages and did in 1920 and 29 exactly what they just did here in October. They didn't have any paragliders, but they raped and pillaged and kicked out all the Jews. And so those Jewish villages became Arab villages. That's part of the history of this. Then um, uh, we did some research. Hamas was elected, elected to rule over Gaza by the Gazans in 2005. And then in 2007, they consolidated their rule by um, assassinating uh, um, a competitive group called Fatah by throwing a lot of their members off the roofs of the building, and they made Gaza into their own um, totalitarian state. And since 2007, um, there are approximately 27,800 missiles, that's mortar shells and rockets, fired from Gaza into Israel, Twenty, almost 28,000. You can imagine. And every time Israel would respond, um, the international community would tell them to stop. You have to stop. We can't have any more dead Gazans. So they always stopped. With this latest incident on October 7th, um, talking to my Israeli friends here in Phoenix, the Phoenix area in Cleveland and from Israel, you have a white-hot anger. Everyone is so upset. Uh, Israel can't stop now. They can't. Their citizens won't let them. 350,000 Israelis are activated now into the uh, armed forces there. Um, they I'll repeat that number, earth. please. 350,000. 350,000 for such a small nation. That's quite a force assembled. Yeah, that's about everybody. And it turns out uh, there have been some news reports. Oh, Israelis are fleeing. They're going elsewhere. Well, some of them are. Some of them, the citizens are very vulnerable. On the other hand, many more Israelis came back to Israel and reported to their reserve units. It's my understanding that of the reserves that called up, that's 100 percent. 200% of those showed up because people just came back from overseas and joined, rejoined their units. I just Everybody. saw a report yesterday on Twitter uh, when someone was posting up said, proud of my state, Montana, and showed a bunch of guys who were cowboys, ranchers, actually going to Israel to support uh, and to help and aid with the farming right now. Uh, so Israel is getting help from the United States. There's been supportive rallies here and in Great Britain and in places in Europe. But the political left is uh, showing the mass rallies of 
those who are supporting the Palestinians and Hamas. And I'm not sure, like you said, that you could divide between the two right now, because until the Palestinian people dethrone Hamas as their leaders, they are culpable to what took place on October 7th and the violence that they perpetuate against the state of Israel and innocence. Your thoughts? Oh, well, I was listening to Victor Davis Hanson talking about this issue recently, and I'm sure your listeners know about Victor Davis Hanson. What he said was, no, not Victor Davis, I'm sorry, Jordan Peterson, the psychologist. And what, what Jordan said was, yes, this is a t- Hamas is a totalitarian government, but initially they were freely elected and then they consolidated. So if you are a, a citizen living under that regime, um, you have a responsibility to get rid of that regime. That's he says. Now, how much responsibility you have to do that? Um, it's not not zero. It's not nothing. You need to do something, whatever you can. And uh, they apparently citizens are too afraid of Hamas to do anything. But over the years, uh, they have supported Hamas. So Israel, when you're talking about, and it's a terrible issue that civilians are being killed there. But we have to understand that the Israelis are going after military targets. That's all they're going after. Those targets have human shields because Hamas either makes people stay there or they stay there voluntarily. But um, I was speaking uh, with Richard Kemp. You know who that is? Lieutenant, uh, I'm sorry, Colonel Richard Kemp. He's from the British Army, who has uh, he's been on a lot of podcasts and things. He is in Israel right now, and he works with the IDF uh, as a consultant. But he has been watching how they call it the Israeli way of war. We have an American way of war. But Israelis do everything they can. They go above and beyond with their very restrictive rules of engagement, not to try to minimize civilian casualties. They're not always successful because Hamas will not let them be successful. But um, one of the things Richard said, and I've talked to American military officers about this, is that the United States would never go to the the extremes that Israel goes to to uh, enhance the survivability of, of the civilian population. And um, I've just been studying the law of propor- the rule of, of proportionality under uh, humanitarian law, humanitarian international law, um, about proportionality because people don't really understand what it is. Um, now, the definition I like. Is, was in an interview by the BBC, and I can't remember which Israeli general they were talking to. But the lady said, well, you know, there were only 1,500 civilians killed in Israel, and already 5,000 people. Of course, these figures are from Hamas. You can't trust them at all. But 5,000 civilians killed in Gaza, don't you think that's disproportional? And the general said, you want to talk about proportionality? Here's proportionality. World War II, we fought Germany and destroyed Nazism. In all the way into Berlin, into the bunker where Hitler died, and when we had controlled all of Berlin and were in the bunker, that's proportionality. That's what the Israelis have to do in Gaza. Yes, that's exactly right. They have to eradicate Hamas. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the other side with Mike Goldstein, our good friend, 
and we're discussing the state of Israel and their need to defend their homeland. We'll be right back. America is kept safe because the Army National Guard responds, protects, and supports our nation when it needs them most. From fighting wildfires with air support, helping civilians in flooded neighborhoods, to delivering food and supplies to those who have lost everything, the Army National Guard always responds when disaster strikes. The Army National Guard also trains to be ever vigilant against threats, foreign and domestic. They protect our skies with missile defense weaponry. They secure our information, communications and infrastructure with cybersecurity. And they protect us against chemical, biological and radiological hazards with the civilian support team. The Army National Guard also stands ready to deploy and provide support for conflicts or humanitarian missions abroad. Join the Army National Guard and be there to respond, protect, and support your community and your country. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. And as we just heard about the Ohio's National Guard, uh, we don't want to be remiss. And Veterans Day is this Saturday. and We want to thank all the veterans out there and give honor to them. In fact, we're speaking to a veteran on the phone, Mike uh, Goldstein, of course, who is the director of Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, the Arizona State Chapter. Mike, thank you for your military service in the U.S. Navy. Thank you, Chris. Still uh, taking care of my oath of office. Absolutely. And your 26 years of reserve duty, thank you for that as well. Well, listen, I want to go to... uh, a statement from Speaker Mike Johnson. This has been, uh, in fact, as we're talking today, this has been the one month, one month since the attacks of October 7th, as this is November 7th. Let's listen to what uh, Speaker Mike Johnson had to say at the podium today at the U.S. Capitol. As our cherished friend and ally Israel fights for its survival against the Iran-backed terrorist of Hamas, we will continue to stand up for human dignity and offer moral clarity. House Republicans understand that this moment demands decisive action, and we insist that we cannot waste any more time getting Israel the aid that it desperately needs. That's why, as the first act of my speakership, we passed a resolution condemning Hamas and reaffirming our solemn commitment to Israel. Days later, with bipartisan margins, we passed the Israel Security Supplemental Appropriations Act to provide billions in assistance to Israel in its time of great peril. And as we mark mark the one-month anniversary of this attack, House Republicans met with and heard from family members of some of the victims, not only to understand their grief and pain and worries, but to make clear why Israel must do everything in its power to wipe out Hamas and ensure that what happened October 7th can never happen again. That's uh, Speaker Mike Johnson, who is the newly elected Republican Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, standing with uh, other leadership in the House, standing resolutely, uh, might add, with the state of Israel. And Mike Goldstein, my friend, I want to tell you that the American people and of us here in Ohio stand with you and the state of Israel and are backing them as they are doing what they need to protect themselves uh, in this state of emergency. And as uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel, said, they are at war. Uh, That war was thrust upon them. They did not invite it. They were a nation at peace. Uh, But their neighbors uh, to the south in Gaza, who they accommodated with uh, land rights uh, just a a dozen years ago, have decided to, uh, radical elements within that strip, have decided to unleash terror on the Israeli people. And the Israeli IDF 
and the Israeli government are going to answer in kind, and we fully support that. The Ohio Christian Alliance supports that. We're not going to be intimidated by those radical voices in this country. And by the way, history is repeating itself. If we go back to the late 1930s, there were large Nazi rallies in this country, in Madison Square Garden and other major cities uh, before uh, the outbreak of World War II. Uh, there, there were those who supported the Nazi state. Well, that diminished, obviously, pretty quickly when America went to war. And America is supporting the state of Israel as our chief ally in the Middle East. And, Mike, I just want you to be encouraged by that. And we send our love, our prayers, and support for the people of Israel who are suffering and grieving from the innocent life that they've lost. It tears us up to see the the literal children that were murdered by these animals that came over the wire that day, uh, on that Sunday, and unleashed that hell on the people of Israel. And now they are responding in kind. Uh, Your thoughts, my friend. Speaker Johnson has complete moral clarity, ethical clarity in his statement. I want you to urge all of your listeners to get a hold of their senators and push them and push them and push them to vote in favor of this when it comes over to the Senate, because there are people there who are afraid to do it. So push your senators to have the same moral clarity that the House has shown and vote for this thing. Um, so, well, my, we my can, well, the, I was going to say, we, we can guarantee you at least one vote with Senator J.D. Vance, who's already come out resolutely and saying that we need to divide right. the funding uh, from Israel and Ukraine and other interests. It needs Israel's money needs to be voted on separately. I agree with that. Our organization agrees with that. Obviously, the majority of the U.S. House representatives agrees with that. Hopefully, we can get Sherrod Brown, who is up on for election next year. And so, everybody, this will be a marked vote. This will be on the scorecard of how Senator Brown votes. But that that package that supports the state of Israel has to pass, as it is currently that the U.S. House of Representatives passed the, uh, through Mike Johnson's leadership and the conservatives in the U.S. House. Mike, your thoughts? I agree. I agree completely. I want to tell you one, tell the audience one thing that I've learned from my Israeli friends. What they want from America is not troops. They want parts for their... American-built airplanes, they want bullets and bombs. What they want mostly is for the American grassroots to be their spokesman in favor of Israel with their politicians and with their friends. Just talk about it. That's why I drafted a proclamation for our town council to pass in favor of Israel and condemning Hamas. That's why I'm working with the Arizona House of Representatives to educate our legislators on the same things that we've been talking about today so we can draft legislation to help fix higher education here in the state of Arizona instead of having these crazy demonstrations. That's right. Well, my good friend Mike Goldstein, thank you for coming on the program. I want you to know that we send our love to you, your family, and the community, the Jewish community. Thank you for standing with us Christians uh, in this unity uh, over the years, and we stand with you, my friend, and uh, we will not tolerate anti-Semitism any type of prejudice against the Jewish people. Thank you, and we support you, and God bless you, my friend. God bless you, Chris, and your family. Thank you so much. And send our love to to Beverly as well. Well, if you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. 
That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.